Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Well, a very warm welcome, a very happy new year to our regular listeners and to those who are new. And also, thank you for joining us on Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, on the third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Let us open our minds and allow them to be lifted upwards as this hour of truth invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Today, on A Serious Radio Live, your host, Richard Lawrence, is joined by his guest and good friend, Brian Kniep, Executive Secretary at the American Headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Los Angeles and author of Operation Earthlight, A Glimpse into the World of Ascended Masters. Now, today's show is entitled, Dr. George King, Karmic Agent, a fascinating insight into Dr. King and his mission, and obviously as co-authors of The King Who Came to Earth, that is the title of chapter number eight of that brilliant, brilliant book. So, without further ado, and as always, it is always my great pleasure to hand over to Richard Lawrence and his guest, Brian Kniep. Thank you very much, Nikki, and a very warm welcome, Brian. Thank you, Richard and Nikki. It's a real pleasure to be here on this wonderful radio show. Well, I must say, it's, it's really great to have you, Brian. Um, we're gonna, we'll miss Chrissy uh, this month, but Rest assured that she'll be back next month together with Alison uh, and they'll be covering another fascinating topic. But we thought it was fitting, particularly this month, to focus on uh, Dr. George King personally. And, of course, Brian and I had the great honor of writing his biography, The King Who Came to Earth, as Nikki mentioned. And one of the chapters in that book is Dr. George King, Karmic Agent, which... I think Brian sort of summarizes him up as there's so many ways you can summarize him up as a warrior, as a as a great master of love, as a great strategist, but I think Dr. George King Karmic Agent is is hard to better. It is hard. I remember uh, the master theorist one time uh, called him an agent for the karmic lords. Oh, well there you are. Even that that's fantastic, isn't it? So, uh, anyway, as I say, I'm honoured to have Brian on, a very good friend of mine and a colleague, and as everyone knows, I think, who listens to Aetherius Radio Live, perhaps you're new, and if you're new, we welcome you very, very warmly to Aetherius Radio Live. Brian is the Executive Secretary of the Aetherius Society in America, as I am, I should say, for America, as I am for Europe and Africa, and uh, I'm delighted to say uh, he's joining us today, and it's fitting that we're focusing this entire show on our master because we are privileged, as are others, to be disciples of that master. We were uh, active disciples in his lifetime and since. That's something I do want to stress. I think that's very important for people to remember, Brian, don't you, that you you don't have to have physically met him or even been alive when he was alive to be one of his disciples. Absolutely. It's all about... um uh, following um, his teachings, and most importantly, uh, working to uh, push the mission 
forward. And the mission, of course, is not just his mission. It's the mission of the cosmic masters and the, and the Mother Earth and the Great Ones. It's the mission of trying to bring a new age back onto our world. Yeah, indeed. So in just four days' time, uh, the Ethereum Society will be marking the 102nd anniversary of his birth. That's quite a phenomenal thing to think, isn't it? We had an absolutely wonderful 100th anniversary year, I must say, uh, with events all around the world, but particularly uh, we had uh, UK events, which uh, uh, Brian and his dear wife Ashima came over for, and uh, many others, and Alison and I went over for the anniversary in Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, uh, two locations connected with our master, and it was a really great year, 2019, 2020, I think everyone would have to say has been an extremely difficult year, uh, but we've still say. been able to, yeah, to continue his mission uh, and his legacy, uh, mainly a lot of it online, um, and, and thank goodness for that. But 102 years ago, he was born on Earth through the womb of a extremely unusual person, Mary King, an Earth woman, but one who had a number of very significant close encounters with extraterrestrial intelligences herself, possibly because of the fact that she was the mother of this great avatar uh, who came to Earth 102 years ago this week. So we're going to focus on this very important aspect of his mission and his persona. And I would go so far as to say, Brian, that without understanding this aspect, you'll never really, really understand what he was all about. Absolutely. And you know, karma is the key of, of life. Uh, mm. It's even the, the nine freedoms in several cases. Uh, you can't really ascend until you manipulate your karma in, in a way that proves that you have nothing else to learn uh, on earth itself. Indeed. And this is something he really, really understood and gave us these golden keys to unlock that door, really, that karmic magic that's uh, possible for all people at all levels. I mean, he was on an extremely high level, uh, as one would expect. Uh, but he understood our needs and gave us these magnificent opportunities, and we'll be touching on those uh, during this hour. And well, he think, was... You know, the, sorry. The, the backdrop really is, you know, the more... I'm sure you feel the same way, but the more I remember um, what he did and what he was like and, and how he... Uh, moved through life and, and worked with the Ethereum Society, there was always this backdrop um, the, uh, of karma. And yeah. I, for one, didn't really see it at the time. But the more you look back, you realize he was always working with karma to move things mm. forward all the time. That's a, a very good point, I think, and I would fully agree. And I would also agree that, you know, with hindsight, as we look back, we can see so much that, you know, in the sort of the blizzard of the pressure of the activities of those days, yeah. uh, we perhaps didn't have the chance or didn't take the chance to reflect and really grasp. And now suddenly you think, ah, you wake up, you know, and you think, God, that's what he, that's why he said that. That's why he did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's happened to, I think, to both of us, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. More and more and, and more. Many yeah. And, and in understanding him, of course, one has to look at what he really was and how he saw himself, which was uh, uh, many things, but he was a strategist. He, he used karmic magic. His every move 
was a karmic move and uh, you know he, he understood it uh, certainly as much in certain respects definitely more than even avatars who'd come before him um, and everything he did was designed wasn't it for for a karmic result absolutely uh, it, it's almost like once you leave earth and you become a great interplanetary being um, it's like you're working directly with this whole new science of karmic manipulation and, and, the, and using and working with karma, which we really have firstly no idea of here. Exactly. Uh, and, in, and no one, I, I don't think, has put it over in the way he put it over. I mean, even this phrase, manipulate karma, Right. It's, an it's an empowering phrase. It's, it's, you know, whereas a lot of the teachings, even some of the great teachings of the past, you're almost at the mercy of karma, the way you're it's put over. You're through your karma. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To Trying to rid yourself of it all the time. And, <laughs> and, and, he, and, and also, you know, when people sort of say, oh, I'm getting some karma, they nearly always mean something bad by that mm. you know something bad's happening or going to happen and actually of course he put over this whole thing about positive karma you know yep. yes get karma but let's get good karma put it in the bank yeah <laughs> right. that was his phrase wasn't it put it in the bank yeah. Yeah. good deeds in the in the spiritual bank absolutely so he taught us to to manipulate karma first and foremost not for our own benefit actually but for the benefit of humanity as a matter of fact uh, he said, you, you know, and I think St. Guling made this point too, that it shouldn't be done for our own benefit. That shouldn't be our motive. Right. But they go together. That's, that's the karma yeah. yoga path. And, and there's nothing wrong, is there, Brian, in, in knowing that it's good for us too when we serve others? Well, of course. I mean, and the, 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 better, the better we are, the more advanced each individual is, then that helps, A, it helps the whole and, and B, it helps all those around whoever it is who, who's more and more evolved. So even if you're thinking of evolving yourself, um, that in and of itself is a positive thing because you help so many other people as you do that. So it, it's, it's, yeah. it's a win-win. Absolutely. So we're going to go into that and we're going to share some of our experiences. And of course, Brian, particularly, I would say, in the last 10 years of the Master's Life, I don't suppose anyone was in the personal company of Dr. King more than you were physically anyway, Brian. Um, uh, there were other aides, personal aides, of course, in Santa Barbara as well. Uh, but uh, Brian played a, a key role. Yeah, and so that's, that's really good for us, as, as all those of us uh, who listen to Ethereus Radio Live. And we want to throw uh, some of our thoughts into the pool of knowledge and see where they, the ripples may take us. Brian, well said. just getting a bit metaphorical for a moment there. Um, Watch out. But I'd, <laughs> but I'd like to start off by just throwing out something perhaps a little bit different uh, for people to think about. Um, and I don't know whether this was ever said to you, Brian, but it, he certainly mentioned this to me more than once. And it may just have been something he said to me. I'd never heard anyone else mention it. I don't know. But there is a quote in the Bible. Uh, I think it's in the book of St. Matthew. Um, I'd have to check that. But um, the master, of course, who was raised by a very, I mean, his father was a school teacher and he, he knew quite a lot of poetry and, and biblical references. He was raised in the Church of England. And he used to quote this thing that uh, is quoted differently by different people, actually, because of translations have varied. 
but it's something like this it's advice given by Jesus to his followers and it's along these lines be as cunning as snakes and as harmless as doves and sometimes you'll see it as being as wise as serpents or as shrewd as serpents but the, the, the quote that the master had was cunning and right. he used to say you know in a not too serious a vein, I must say, but he would quote it and say that he didn't, he was not as harmless as a, as a dove, and he couldn't be given the battles that he had to fight, which we've covered on Ethereum Radio Live before and will again. But he used to say that he was, he liked the idea of being as cunning as a snake. And, yeah. you know, I, I kind of looked that up, Brian, because I, I, you know, what was that about? What was, was, you know, it's a strange quote you wouldn't quite expect from perhaps Jesus. Um, but, or maybe you would, I don't know. But it, I looked at it, it was advice he gave his, actually to his disciples, or his followers, actually, not just his disciples, for what would come after his resurrection and the fact that they would be persecuted and the fact that they would, I think, be held, you know, and, and, and put on trial, and they could even face death uh, for their beliefs. And he said to them, you, you'd have to be as cunning as snakes and harmless as doves. And um, I think in the passage it goes on to flee if necessary, or words to that effect. So it was interesting, and he was trying to prepare them, I think. he was, In a way, you could read into it, he wasn't saying you don't necessarily do as I do, um, and we know he gave uh, an instruction to St. Peter to actually lie uh, and say that he, he didn't know Jesus. And had he not told that lie uh, to people who didn't deserve the truth, of course, um, he wouldn't have completed his mission. And as soon as he had, of mm. course, then he, he chose to die too. But I do think it's interesting that, that Dr. King, it's a, in a kind of an insight into his character, that he liked that idea of being cunning but in his case it wasn't often when we think of cunning we think of evil uh, and we think of wickedness and selfishness and financial gain and this type of thing but of course in dr king's case it was compassionate cunning if you can imagine such a thing cosmic cunning and, and i would say definitely karmic cunning if there is such a thing what say, say you brian that- Absolutely. One time I, I heard fairly recently he was talking about um, him being cunning, but he, all, he he added at the end of it, he says, but without malice. Oh, yes, absolutely. That was, uh, that was kind of the way he, because uh, he, he, he felt oh, yeah. that, as you're saying, people tend to think of cunning, cunning as being bad, and he wanted to get across the idea that, no, it's not bad. It's without malice, but it's, it's, it's an important way to be, especially on earth in these days. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And of course, to make the kind of moves that he made, I mean, it's stretching it, but there's a certain, I don't know whether cunning is an appropriate word for this, uh, but there is a, certainly malice. a, a <laughs> without malice even, but there is a, certainly a strategy to even to Operation Sunbeam, uh, yep. you know, and it's a karmic strategy. And it? it's, I beg your pardon? There is a, a an interesting line, which um, in, in preparation for this, that, that hit me, and that was, um, uh, I think it was in 1980, when he approached the Masters, Mars uh, Secretary Special Advisor S2, and requested to see um, what the Ethereum study did in comparison to the Buddhist and Christian religions. Oh, yes. And and they did that. They came back, and, and they gave us you know really, really 
uh, amazing results, um, mm. hundreds, uh, hundreds and yes. hundreds of times more. Um, and then they said at the end, well done, now even the gods know this. Yes. And it's, it's almost like the master knew how karma worked. And it, 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 like, we, we tend to think that karma just is this great force that automatically, if you do, do something, there's a reaction automatically, either this life or the next life. And we yes. kind of think of it as an automatic thing. But it's like he knew it wasn't that way. It was, it was mm-hmm. administrated by greater beings. Um, yeah. And it could be administrated different ways. And so he had a, a way of... Um, <laughs> of putting in, in his word to the administrators virtually yes. um, to help karma work the way he thought it should work on earth, yes. if yes. you know what I mean. I do, and of course he had this tremendous faith, which is amazing really when you think about the way humanity behaves in our potential and what mm. we could do. And if all we needed was the tools, and he and he gave them to us, and and they're still there now. Let's not think it's over. I mean, his legacy continues, and his presence continues Absolutely. through his legacy. Uh, he's very much here, and his magic is here, and the opportunities are, st- are still here. I think that was Mars Sector Eight Special Advisor S two, wasn't it? Who That's gave right. that I think reply? I think, yeah, that I think you he did. He, no, I think you did. He yeah. was asked later, and, uh, and that's what he said. That's right. Yeah, and he that later became Sector S2, didn't he? Which, That's um, right. Yeah. So great presence in his life, especially in those latter years. He was very Brian close did. to Sector S2 in, in the last days. Mm. He, he spoke to him yeah. quite a bit. Uh, mm. Absolutely. And so that, that's very true. So, and, of course, he really, really understood. And I remember, Brian, when we were researching uh, for the biography, and I think it was Chapter 7, actually, we were researching for, about his superb genius, but you came, you've discovered this incredible statement in, in an address that he gave in uh, November 1977. I think it was actually about... Um, Operation Space Magic, I think, uh, so not, no, I, beg, I think Operation Sunbeam, but keeping the magic in, in that mission, I believe it was about the address. I think it was, Sunbeam. But this is the quote that, uh, that you found and that we published in, in The King Who Came to Earth. There are very few masters who have ever walked this earth who could teach me one thing about the law of karma. This is one of my great specialities. And everything I have done in the past 23 years, connected with the Aetherius Society, has been a karmic manipulation in one way or another. Yep, that really revealing quote that I was really, bowled me over when, when I read, read that. Just phenomenal. Uh, and me too. And, and you know, a couple of things bowled me over about that. One, that he would even say it. Mm. Because he, he was so humble, and mm-hmm. he didn't think of himself he didn't compare himself to jesus for example in terms of spirituality and he told me that more than you know very straight and almost ticked me off for suggesting it he was very humble about himself in many many ways but here it's almost like he came clean as in a way and really admitted that he he had this expertise and mm. uh, 
and and hence i think it, the, the example you've given of the the greater power i think it was of sunbeam and space power wasn't it that they were assessing in relation to the buddhist and christian religions well he were, didn't ask for that but they they, no. should, they did that because it was probably they could do it a lot quicker and more easily i think yeah and they picked just those things and and it was you know hundreds as you say of times more oh, yeah. powerful and they were both karmic moves and Absolutely. You know, I'm, and I'm sure that that was in 1977 that you could apply everything to what came later too. Um, I think it's one of the most revealing statements about the way he operated and, mm -hmm. and how he applied his very unique mental capabilities to the problems of Earth. I mean, it was all one giant karmic manipulation and everything I think we can look at in that light. As he says there, everything and there's been a karmic manipulation in one way or another well you know one of the amazing things too which, which is in the biography was um the, the last piece of paper he uh he signed for the ethereal society um was was uh agreeing to the the adepts um charging 5000 per hours into our battery for sacrifice to god it's like yes you know what a what a crowning uh, move for karma there. It's almost yes. like he just had to wait. And I had that paper for two years, <laughs> asking him to oh, sign it several I times. I remember he you never go signed it until the back and forth. Two weeks before he passed away. I mean, it's, and it's and when he, when he did, did he did he ask you for it, or did he say, he "Look, have you got anything else for me?" Or? Exactly. He he, yeah. he 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 wasn't even getting out of bed that much. He was so ill at the time. But I one know. time he did, and he said he asked me. I bought anything for me to sign. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, amazing. Matter of fact, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, and and taking that statement that he made there, that everything he's done in the past 23 years. I, I mean, I'd like to I, I'd like to put out a thought that some of our listeners may not have considered before, and that is that even prior to the command, which was on May the 8th, 1954, as I think most of most listeners will know, but maybe not all. That's when his mission really started, per se, with the command from the Master Aetherius to prepare himself to become primary terrestrial mental channel. And he had been practicing yoga very intensely for 10 years prior to that, roughly 10 years, for roughly eight hours a day. I don't think, from everything he said, that he knew why or what it was all leading to, but he knew what to do, um, being who he was. And he really went for it in a way that I don't know. I've never come across Brian, and I have tried, and I've, uh, you know, as you know, I've met hundreds of mediums uh, in various ways through radio shows and different things, but I've never met anyone who has claimed to me to have practiced in the West. Um, you know, yoga that intensely for 10 years while doing a job and living in a, a busy city like London? Well, no, it's incredibly <laughs> difficult. I mean, it's basically just a couple of hours sleep is all that you can squeeze in with yeah. that routine. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what, what I'm suggest what I'm just putting out as a thought here is that as well as being essential training, which he always said it was, and leading up to this ability that he had to be the channel for the cosmic master, starting with the master Ethereus and then others as well, receive the 12 blessings, receive the nine freedoms and everything else that he received, it was a giant karmic manipulation. 
um, he controlled the rise of the mystic force of Kundalini, not in Rishikesh or some part of the Himalayas, but in a dirty, basic surrounding, such as Waterloo in London. If anyone's been there, it's not the most salubrious of places. No offence to the, anyone who lives in Waterloo, by the way. I'm sure there's some very nice abodes there. But it certainly wasn't the place you would seek if you wanted to have a rise of Kundalini to the throat centre, as he, as he experienced there. And then... All of it, as well as preparing him, it, it was, as I say, a karmic manipulation. And the fact that he had made that supreme effort. I mean, most people in their 20s, as he was then, would be out and about, gadding about, dating possibly, enjoying sport possibly, entertainment, parties, who knows, trying to forge their career any kind of materialistic pursuit, none of that. He just did what he had to do to earn a living. He was completely celibate. He was totally focused. And all of that, of course, explains the great elevated state that he could use then, samadhi. Again, I've never come across a medium who claimed to use samadhi, samadhic trance anyway, and have an intelligence speak through them. Um, and the way he talks about it is it's as though it's as common thing that people do. I haven't come across anyone. But it was also a, a karmic manipulation to enable well, uh, the cosmic masters to use him. Sorry, Brian, over to you. On that point, um, I, I recently uh, read where he explained, he, he was talking about, um, I think it's in, in the uh, uh, importance of the psychic centers. And he says in there um, that if you really force Kundalini up um, the spine. It is incredibly painful. In yes. the most painful thing you can possibly imagine. And he said that an interesting thing. He said that um, the pain you need to go through to raise Kundalini is fixed. If you do it quickly, you will have that tremendous pain. If it takes longer at the time, like through service, etc it's that pain is spread out over a much longer time. So it's another aspect of him having to go through that incredible pain. Yes. Um, it's also a karmic uh, manipulation, for sure. Yes, and I think he described it as taking karma, didn't he? That pain mm. that you, you have to go through. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And I'd apply the same thing to Operation Starlight. Is a very clear example, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, because let's face it, they could have charged those. They didn't need, I mean, technically need uh, him to be there. I mean, they could have charged it from, as far as I know, a moon on Jupiter, had they chosen to do so. Charged uh, kinder, whichever mountain they picked, Carlin Llewellyn or what have you. But the fact that he went up there, also the effort of his team, but... The team alone wouldn't have been enough. There's plenty of people been up mountains before, and they haven't necessarily been charged. It was the fact that he went there and was able to enter Samadhi there. Didn't really seem to matter for how long. That enabled Master Sector 6 or the Master Ethereus or another Master to intervene and bring about the charge of that mountain. Another interesting thing, he even took that further than... Um uh, the master Therius was expecting, because uh, mm -hmm. you know he he chose to charge many of the mountains in England in the worst possible conditions. Exactly, very true. In the middle of yeah. winter, uh, yes. and uh, it was almost like he he was almost 
almost ticked off at one point, saying, well, you didn't have to do it. <laughs> but, yes. but obviously, for a karmic reason, he did it. He did it. And he I think we've it. come across that in other missions, haven't we, too, where, oh, yes. you know, yes. he, the perfection, as far as it's possible for us, to, it, to our part in, in the Saturn mission as well, uh, he took us, he, he himself made it, uh, us play our part, let's put it that way, without breaking any classifications here, as far as we possibly could, and that's part mm. of the karmic manipulation. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, so those are just, couple of examples to start the ball rolling and there's another one I'd just like to, to give before we go to our break Brian which I, I think is very interesting too. I remember him saying once that the very existence of the spiritual energy radiator is a karmic manipulation. You know the very fact that it exists and I, and I well, sort of turned yeah. yeah sorry over to you. So he, he told me on that, on that point he told me when I was, I was giving him healing in bed one time Mm. And um, we were talking about the SVR and the energy going through it and everything, and he wasn't all that pleased with, with how it, you know, because he thought it should have been a lot nicer because it, it couldn't, yes. have made, couldn't have been. But he, one time he said, you know, they don't need the spiritual energy radiator. They could put the energy no. through a teapot. That's what he of said, course. through a teapot. Yes. But yes. the importance is that, one, we built it, and number two, Operators go in there every day in their, in their crisp uniform, honoring the cosmic masters to operate that machine to do good for the world. That's the, yes. key, that's the karmic that, the manipulation. Exactly. And the same, I think, could, could run across the missions. Um, but, you know, the, the key being that it has to work radionically. Work. That sort of, of radionic ability of his, if you like, yeah. And, and coming up with something that does work enables, let's say, the masters from Gotha to put energy, uh, into a certain amount of energy, into a psychic center. I mean, after all, they don't need, and, and you know, I'm trying to avoid going into any details because we're not allowed to do that, but everybody knows equipment is set up and so forth. And th it's not like they need the equipment. I mean, they could go, I assume, straight to the center or even do it from a distance. It's the fact, number one, that we set it up, as we're required to do, but number two, the fact that it works mm -hmm. and it could be used. I actually don't know how much it's used, um, you know, it, but it could be used in its entirety right. or not, but it's there, and that's the karmic manipulation. Yep. Uh, he, and he was able to, one of the brilliant aspects of what he was able to do was to find out how far, far we could go, how far just normal terrestrials could do, how, how far we could extend ourselves. And he would push us as far as we could go, and then he arranged for the great ones, um, next zeros or nine and teen, generally speaking, or the Gotha masters, to then they would come down as far as they need to to help us make these missions work. And yes. that was just the absolute genius. And, and clearly it took a tremendous amount of karmic manipulation to enable yes. that to happen. Yes. And I think another, another example would be Operation Blue Water. I mean, all, every mission you could actually apply this to. Mm. You know, where, it, yes, he was there on the boat with his team. He, it was navigated in the right pattern. He was in rapport and mental communication, which is outstanding in itself. Let me but just also, jump in there for a second. Yeah, second, please second. do. At the same time, he, he's been on many, many boats, but that particular boat 
always caused him to be seasick. That's true. That's a very interesting point. Yes, very good point. And, of course, the other thing about that mission, and I think we were told in This is the Hour of Truth, that he was the only person on Earth who could have devised that equipment, that they could turn to in that time. And he was able to do that. And that ability, which he had somehow summoned up from another place and another time, but that he'd still been able to summon it up in that earth physical body, an earth physical mm. brain of his, uh, was part of the karmic manipulation that allowed energy to be sent into a psychic center of earth and save all those lives. I mean, it's quite incredible. And that does so bring us... He had a guide, sorry. Did guide a small team, inspire and guide them how to build it as well. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, Nikki, I think we've slightly overrun the halfway mark, so over to our producer. Uh oh. Well, I should, no, it's just so fascinating. I I feel slow to interrupt you two. It's, it's absolutely intriguing. Thank you so much, Richard and Brian. You are listening to a serious radio live with host Richard Lawrence and his guest Brian Kniep discussing Dr. George King, karmic agent. As already mentioned, Saturday, January 23rd, we'll see the celebration of the birth of Dr. George King. And for further details regarding the live streaming of this all-important commemoration, which will take place from both London and Los Angeles, please, please visit Aetherius.org. And details of which also uh, will give you uh, details of services, both live stream and online, during this important and very needy time. For the next Aetherius Radio Live show, I'm very, very pleased to say that on February the 16th, your host, Chrissy Blaze, will be joined by our very good friend and guest, Alison Lawrence, when they will be discussing a really intriguing subject, the lesson of Gotha. So don't miss that show. That in itself is, an, is a fascinating title. So that's it for now and I'm very, very pleased to return you to Richard and Brian. Thank you, Nikki. Brian, there was um, uh, an interesting event that some people probably aren't so familiar with, but you and I will remember it well because we lived through it. And that was uh, that in 1977 uh, we were invited to be, I think they were referred to as power manipulations. And we could right. attend these, and energy was to be put through us. And, well, I'll let you tell the story, because it led to a massive manipulation, I think it's true to say, with the Operation Prayer Power discharges that we do, we still do to this day. I think so. I mean, Dr. King went on a real limb um, uh, to get the permission from uh, Mars Sector 6 to put energy through uh, members, uh, but the members had to follow certain rules. There had to be four of them at the minimum uh, in a location, and everyone who took part had to have done at different times. I forget how it worked up. Either 20 minutes of mantra a day, every day, or 40 yes. minutes of mantra. And yes. For me, I was a brand new member at the time, and I had to drive 300 miles every week That's to uh, a make up the four. I came down from Chicago to um, uh, Springfield, and, and my other members in the southern part of Illinois came up. Right. So we did. We did it. Um, but as you know, Richard, uh, despite 
the master's effort and his inspiration, inspiring members and teaching members of the mantra and, and how important it was. Um, at the end of it, um, Marcia to Six, in a very nice way, um, didn't say it failed, uh, but he said um, he felt that um, it would be better to do something different and be better to discharge our Operation Prayer Power batteries in conjunction with every spiritual push to the third satellite. And that, of course, was a phenomenal move because that really put Operation Prayer Power on the map. Um, and you're right, it was, in retrospect, it was a brilliant manipulation by our master. Yeah, I mean, it almost looks, I, I mean, I'm not saying it was, but it looks as though the master planned it and thought, well, we'll do this, and if it doesn't work, <laughs> yeah. I've got that, an ace in the yeah. hole. And, yeah. you know, it's a, again, it's a, like that spiritual cunning, that cunning without yeah. malice, or cunning yeah. with compassion. Yeah. However you want but to look be, at it. Before it, uh, that, we, we weren't doing purple on a regular basis, were we? No, uh, no. But after that, it was every week, and now it's just blossomed. And, and, and I know here in Los Angeles, I think there too, especially during this pandemic, people love coming out to Operation Prayer Power because here yes. in, L in L.A. that's the only thing they can come out to is Prayer Power. Yes. And yes. it's just becoming uh, it's just, it's such a, a wonderful experience to um, be at Operation Prayer Power and sending out energy, especially in the midst of a pandemic. It, it, yes, well, we, we as that. you know, we, we put in a lot of extra sessions. Sadly, we're not able to be doing it right now. But we, we will again, and we put out into lots of extra sessions. And I must say, members really rallied round, mm. and mm. we managed to sort of get our, our discharge commitment up. And in fact, we had a, a record discharge during a spiritual push. But it all started back then in 1977 right. with that... With that, that manipulation. You know, yeah. as you say, yeah. on the face of it, although Mars Sector 6 was far too kind to say it, <laughs> on the face of it, it failed. It failed. But, <laughs> but yeah. it didn't. I mean, it turned into something possibly even greater, uh, yeah. supplementing the, the spiritual pushes in some tiny way, well, and karmically, maybe not tiny. It, 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 I think it, it's more... Um, it's more sustainable than that would have been, I think, Operation mm. Prayer Power. Mm -hmm. And, it's more, and you, you can expand it beyond the membership, of course, Operation Prayer Power. Um, yes. So I think, in, I think you're right. It, it, it is better than it would have been. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. And I think you're probably right. I think he probably knew exactly what he was doing there. Yes. I mean, you never knew because he kept his cards close to his chest. He was always Good. several moves ahead. And sometimes... And he said in so many words, you know, sometimes I know what to do, but I don't know why. And he right. would, and, I mean, I would get yes. phone calls because, you know, I, I, I was there when I was fortunate enough to be there with him along with you and others. But at, and sometimes he was here. But a lot of the time I was receiving phone calls pretty well every day for a long period. Right. Uh, so was more than one. But he would sometimes just phone up and it could be any time, the middle of the night, my time, whatever, and say, look, something you've got to do. I don't know why. But you've got mm. to do it. You didn't mm. even pretend. He didn't even come up with any, you know, with some times I, I always felt he needed to, felt he had to give some explanation to certain people. But I'm glad to say he mm. didn't feel that with some of us. And mm -hmm. he could just say that. And I believe him. But then other times you think, well, hang on, what, what did he really know? Why, why, you know? How much was he keeping <laughs> close to his yeah. chest? Yeah. Uh, another fun, funny thing, too, it's, it's um, reminds me, every so often you'll, you'll be listening to a lecture and address and he'll say something, and almost like an aside, forgive that, and carry on. And yes, yes. in retrospect, when you, when you listen to it a few times, you realize that he's saying something that's not actually true. 
like something like yes. like he's putting himself down and not not saying who he really is, and so he kind of says almost yes. to the future future audience, forgive that. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> yes, um, I I and I must say, you know, as you said earlier, I mean, even now you can hear some of the dresses he gave, and you think, oh, that's. That's exactly what he meant. And, you know, we're like a future audience now. Yeah. Um, we were there at the time. But, um, you know, talking all, continuing with the prayer power theme, I think the sacrifice to God discharges, and you've, you've commented on that final document that he signed just weeks before his, his mm. passing. Um, this is surely a classic example, isn't it, of, of, of a karmic manipulation that we perform every year now. It is, and you know, uh, he he mentioned, uh, it's also in the book, an amazing experience he had when he performed a sacrifice to God following um, uh, right in the middle of, of the research project of Plan B and had that amazing experience. Yes. Uh, and so to him, it's something that kind of came natural. Uh, yes. And then to make, the, uh, have the Theory Society as a whole um, build up and build up and build up um, a really powerful sacrifice to God um, which, on the surface of it, can be difficult to for newer members to understand, but it, mm. it's, it's a pure karmic manipulation, absolutely. And you know, I always feel, rightly or wrongly, in some ways, it's it's similar in principle, in a way, to the concept behind Operation Sunbeam of sacrificing energy placed in a mountain for our use, and instead it goes to the Mother Earth. And right. in this, you know, we aren't able, because of our lowliness, to, to, to invoke energy of a high enough quality, or quantity really, to send to the Mother Earth. Uh, but yeah. in the sacrifice to God, it's sent out, so it doesn't go directly to the Mother Earth, but it's still, we're still making that sacrifice. Energy that could be used for humanity, could be used uh, to help human beings. It's almost like on behalf of humanity, we're saying, no, we'll sacrifice this, Mm-hmm. For the for the Mother Earth on her day, it'll go where it goes. We forego this, and it's the same kind of karmic strategy I feel as you've got in Operation Sunbeam in a different way. You're right. It reminds me of uh, one of the most um, well, clearly I think the, the the greatest sacrifice to God for July 8th was um, the June plan. And oh yes. I, I was I was fortunate to be there with, with Raymond up in Santa Barbara when he, he devised it, and I'll never forget. I was in the kitchen, and he was um, in the in the lounge, and he just had this idea, and he came out and he said, uh, "What if we did this, this, this?" You know, and he went, I had to go back and figure out the numbers, and he'd come back out, and I tell him what it was, and he's, he would say, "He's like like a like a kid. I want it to be big, really big." And, he, and I went back and forth, back and forth, in about you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, um, just figuring out different calculations and how many hours and this and whatnot. And he, he just he gets so excited um, that he this he developed this way of of a really outstanding. It was, oh, it was 180,000 prayers, I think it was, um, and eventually it was sent to um, sacrifice to God to the masses of the sun and the masses of Saturn um, yes. in sacrifice to God on July the 8th. Uh, what a phenomenal karmic manipulation. Incredible, incredible. And one could go through, and we haven't got time now, I think people are getting the gist of it. I mean, often people think, well, Saturn mission, well, that wasn't devised by him. And it's true, it wasn't. It was given to him by the perfects of Saturn, we're told. But 
the design. I wouldn't complain too much about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, but they used though his designs. They used the battery that he designed. They used the psychic Absolutely. centers that he had discovered. You know, they 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 used his fabric, as it were. And, and that the of itself, they're, they're and the SCR's well. key, absolutely. Yeah. So that's all part of the the karmic manipulation. And one, I would just before we leave this aspect, I would refer people to to the Operation Space Power Two, the book Operation Space Power, because I, I I see that Brian as one of the sort of the great, apart from everything else that it is, it's one of the mission bibles, along with the contact with the Lord of Karma in a way that we have. <laughs> but as as well as that, it's a most historic example of if you like cosmic logic really to, to throw out a phrase you know it, it's a, a strategic expression um, and and you can see the cosmic cunning if you want to use that the uh, yeah, karmic I was cunning. going to say that absolutely yeah. that, that, that illustrates you can watch it progress as a cosmic yeah. cunning um, yeah. and, it, and it almost you could you could say it it almost um, surprised um, the cosmic master he was speaking with. Yes. Oh, now I see what now, now yes. I see where you're going with it. Exactly. Yes. Now, now <laughs> we see what you're, you, yeah, why you're saying this. <laughs> and I was, I was and, a terrestrial, in a terrestrial body, yeah. um, talking to a cosmic master. And, and at a time, as you you'll know better than anyone, when he was recuperating from surgery. And was meant to be resting up, you know, and, and getting into his aquarium and, and things yeah. like that. Um, and then in the middle of it, he comes up with something that has absolutely changed oh. the, the whole necessities of the future of our world, really. As said by our master theorist himself, Operation Space Power 2 has changed many things. Yes, but I, I'd like to move on because uh, you know we could go on as people probably gathering. We could carry on for a few hours, but don't worry, we we're not going to. <laughs> um, but to, to another aspect of this, um, which I, and I'm now quoting from an, another address, and this is also in our in the book, The King Who Came to Earth. So, don't worry, these quotes you can look them up if you're interested in in The King Who Came to Earth. And this was on July the eighth, nineteen seventy, and this is what he said uh, in the address. We always have to turn back to this karmic manipulations because if we forget it, we fall on our faces, be we a spider, a bumblebee, or a vast planetary system. I love that phrase, by the way. <laughs> a bumblebee or a vast planetary system. We always have to come back to this karma. And we always have to, you get to a stage where you're no longer allowed to help your fellow man. You're no longer allowed to help your fellow man unless you manipulate karma to allow you to be allowed to do it. I, I think I'll read that last sentence again. Mm. You're no longer allowed to help your fellow man unless you manipulate karma to allow you to be allowed to do it. And that's, that's, that's one of his... That's a whole other level. Absolutely. It really is. I mean, that's... Yeah venturing on taking karma upon yourself and and making moves which could appear a bit you know hard to understand i mean i'll just give one mm. example which i was very involved in, and i would want you to please if you tell us about the fire in his apartment later which you were right really involved in but mm. I, I would take the example which occupied uh, some part quite a part of a, of a period perhaps 
sort of the 80s up to the early 90s, which was the whole, what we might call the chivalry titles period um, of, of his mission. It wasn't the main thing in his mission, but it was going on in the background uh, quite, quite a bit, and it interested him, and he enjoyed it, I think, and he got sort of pleasure from it. It was entertaining. It was different. But on the fa- funny enough, I was doing an interview not so long ago um, on a, for a podcast for somebody um, who does programs on, on, on channeling and channels. And he said to me that it seems that there was an attempt here by Dr. King to get um, authenticity, I think was the word he used, oh, from, oh. from these titles. And I said, well, actually, <laughs> the oh. last thing it brought was authenticity. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it brought the opposite because it, right. it's not understood. It wasn't understood. I don't think it's understood now, really. No. Apart from which, it's not something we push because you know all the books of that period you'll see on the cover George King. You won't mm. see uh, a title there on the cover. But um, I was aware. I have to say this, but I, I'm not nearly as aware as I am now as I look back that this was all at one level. A ploy. I mean, it was several things. I'm sure it was a, a something that was happening. He, he didn't generate it all, by the way. A lot of this stuff started just to come to him, and he went with it, though. And he went with it enthusiastically, and he kind of enjoyed some of it. And it was almost like some of it was almost like a hobby, really. You might say to him, in a way. But what it, I could see that it was, particularly at certain times, was a karmic manipulation he should have been some people say well you know he wasn't knighted by the queen of england uh, that's the night that's the only knighthood that i will recognize some people will say things like that and they're entitled to say that but if that's the case i would say it's the biggest mistake the biggest mistake that the british government made because those decisions are made by the government actually not the queen um because they had an avatar on their hands. They had an avatar, one of the greatest ever, born in this country, and they should definitely have bestowed the highest honours available to him, as they should have done in any other country, for that matter. But they weren't, and they didn't. Um, Some things were given, but certain things were coming his way, and they, you know, we checked them out as far as we possibly could and made sure they were legitimate and some of them were in his put into his british passport they were perfectly uh, legitimate they may not be everyone's cup of tea but what it was was a gigantic karmic manipulation uh, it enabled him to get some recognition from outside sources and i'm absolutely sure that this to use his words allowed him to help his fellow man to be allowed him to be allowed to do it because when he was getting even this type of recognition from um, people on this earth, uh, it's a lot better than nothing, and he could use it, uh, you know, as a karmic manipulation. And, and and sometimes, Brian, he would literally phone me up. I remember, particularly if he was say on the way to a Saturn mission or something like that, and say, mm-hmm. "I need X, Y, and Z." And once when he was being wheeled in to have surgery. He, he said, I need X, Y, and Z. He phoned me from the hospital. 
And it it became then very clear, there was no longer any cover, there was no longer any pretense. He was using this uh, as someone who, let's face it, we've been open about this, wasn't from this world, wasn't getting the recognition or the belief or the acceptance he should have had after everything he'd done, but at least he was getting some of these things. Mm -hmm. And they were a karmic manipulation to allow him to help humanity more. No question about it. No question. But coming on to the fire, that was another one, wasn't it? And I think he revealed to you, didn't he, what that was really all about? Well, it certainly appeared that that wasn't his doing. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, he, had, he was, he, he was going to give an address. And he couldn't because he was too ill. And so uh, uh, Richard Medway and I were in his um, bedroom um, giving him healing uh, just, you know, around 11.15, 11.20, a kind of a thing, after the service started. And I heard this loud noise. And so I got up and looked, and there was this massive fire in his living room. And so, oh. so we had a, I had to um, help him out the, the back of his window in a very frail state, very, very difficult. Um, but uh, we put the fire out, and uh, eventually we, we, we took Dr. King across the street into a, a member uh, member's apartment, and we're giving him healing. And at that point, um, a, a Lord of Karma came to, came to him um, while we were giving him healing, and uh, mm. told him that it had to, it had to happen for a future event to take place or a future mm. manipulation. And uh, eventually, Dr. King felt that that was actually for um, Operation Sunbeam Plan K. Yes, colossal, colossal move. Which was about three years, I believe, after the fire. Was it ninety-one? The fire? Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. Roughly three years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember coming over, and he was living in the dining room, wasn't he, for a while? That's right. In the the third bungalow there, uh, under great privation, really. Um, It was. It was. was, Yeah. You know, it wasn't nice at all for him. Mm. No. (laughs) Slightest. And what do you think what Plan K was, you know, without going into the logistics of it, but essentially I think it's well known. Suddenly, rather than two psychic centers, we had access access to six psychic centers Mm -hmm. and this much more potent version, really, of the same mission. And and something had to be obviously done to bring that about. Uh, Interesting, too. It was touch and go for a seventh. Yes. It was pushing for a seventh. Yes, and he 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 decided not to because it was going to he felt um, it'd be too difficult for us karmically in the future. Uh, yes, that and dangerous to people's dangerous. well-being essentially. Yes. Yeah, right. yes, indeed, I remember that too. All but karma. Yeah, and and of course that ties in as well as you know the fire to his whole the health, and it's it's as though he kind of used his health. Even use that for our benefit. I mean, you know, I'm very glad to say you're coming back onto Ethereus Radio Live in March, and we're going to talk about Operation Power Light mm. uh, because you 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 were on every phase of that mission, uh, I believe, and uh, from the beginning right through to the end. And of course, that was all the whole. We won't go into it now because we'll keep it for March. But that was very much coloured by his health and the health difficulties in, 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 in performing it, I would think. Definitely, yeah. But I, mean, yeah. I do remember when I came over in, uh, I think it had been either the 
just months before he died, I think it was, or it was either that or within a year of his passing anyway. He did he was there in January for his birthday that year. I was, yeah, for his last birthday, yeah. and Alison cooked his last birthday dinner, which she's... We'll never forget the thrill, thrilling uh, opportunity, but a sad yeah. in a way. So he, you know, he put his jacket on, he came out, and yeah. we had a, a, lo- a lovely time, lovely as you can have when he's in that poor health. But he did admit to me, uh, certainly in so many words, that he was taking karma uh, for Operation Sunbeam. Um, and, and goodness knows, I have no idea, I'm only guessing, that he would be taking karma for um, the Saturn mission too, which... It's amazing, really, how late on that got completely accepted before his passing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was, it was the... offered, uh, offered two years before it, he signed off on it. Yeah. So all the time he must have been weighing up what's mm-hmm. karmically possible and using his health condition. You know, it was a real health condition, but still using it to even that, to allow him to do more for humanity, it, it's really quite extraordinary, isn't it? And it's well, something he, he his, really understood. He, he had people, um, he had a lot of people um, helping him. Uh, and I think that's one way that he used his health, is that he, he got as many people as possible uh, locally, next to him, close to him, L.A., around the world, London, um, sending him healing and, and helping him in many, many different ways. Exactly. That, we had teams, didn't and, we? Yeah. Absolutely. And so yeah. he knew what he was doing, no question about yes, it. Yes, no doubt about it. And I think we'd be remiss, because I think you're kindly going to lead us in a closing prayer shortly, Brian, uh, for okay. our master with his birthday coming up. But just before we do, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention his great aphorism. The, thir- the first three words of this aphorism, actually, um, the Lord Buddha told him on Shambhala that never had he, the Lord Buddha, when he was on earth in a physical body, in that life, that mission as an avatar, uh, had spoken such great words about karma as these three words. But the whole aphorism, again this is in The King Who Came to Earth, in chapter 8, is this. Karma is pressure toward conformity. It is pressure directing you, the mind, and you, the soul, towards you. The spirit. Beautiful. So if I could hand over to you now, please, Brian, to kindly lead us in a closing prayer. Be my honor. <clears throat> so if you'd like to join together, please um, close your eyes. Just slow the breathing a little bit. And think about this wonderful avatar, His Eminence Sir George King brilliant karmic strategist and raise your hands send out your love and your light the heart center in the palms of the hands to this great and wondrous being almighty God O wondrous Parabrahma we humbly request thy infinite blessings fall now upon our beloved spiritual master his eminence, Sir George King, this great avatar who came to our world in our days of need. Bless him for his sacrifice, for his wisdom, for his love, for his compassion for all mankind. And we pray that we might be inspired to do what we can to continue the mission of this great one who came amongst us. <laughs> 
and my mum, it just died. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for being uh, our guest today on Ethereum Radio Live, and uh, also a thanks for a real pleasure. Thank you, and we'll see you again in March. And next time is, of course, Chrissy and Alison on the Lesson of Gotha. And I'll hand over to you, our producer now, Nikki, please, for your closing words. Well, my goodness, gosh. Thank you so very much, Richard and Brian. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing your inspirational and personal insights into the genius of Dr. George King, karmic agent. You have been listening to A Serious Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month. Do visit Aetherius.org, which will provide you with details of the intensive program of services being live-streamed from the Aetherius temples in London and Los Angeles, together with online 12 Blessing services at 12blessings.org, and that's 12 in digits. Further details of various publications, including, of course, The King Who Came to Earth, and audio titles that are also available as e-books, CDs, or downloads can be obtained from that website. You can connect with your hosts, Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence, by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. You are also very welcome to visit Brian's website, and that's Brian Kniep, that's B-R-I-A-N-K-E-N-E-I-P-P.com. Very interesting one indeed. And we do hope you've enjoyed listening to A Serious Radio Live, and we really look forward to your company next month. All the best. Take care.